Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line by embracing behavioral economics. And now, here are your hosts, world-renowned thought leader on customer experience, Colin Shaw, and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, uh, no matter where you are in the world, uh, and welcome to another edition of The uh, Intuitive Customer. Um, I'm Colin Shaw, and I'm with my colleague. Hi, Ryan Hamilton here. Okay, so today we're going to have a bit of a different episode today. Um, we are going to be talking today about a business issue, and we're going to take the business issue, and we're going to then look at sort of what's the psychology that um, uh, that underpins that. And this, I guess, is probably one of the most common business issues there is around, uh, and that is customer complaints. So we're going to look at why do customers complain? What is it that's sort of underpinning that complaint? And I guess, you know, what could you do about it? Um, so let me start off by by giving an example, and then I'm going to ask Ryan to comment on what was what was happening here. Um, I recently went to buy a new car. Uh, now, I have to tell you that I like cars, but I really hate buying a new car <laughs> because the experience is just so awful. Uh, when I, in I have, I'm ashamed to say, outsourced the purchasing of my new cars to my brother-in-law and my mother-in-law, who oh, love the process. I'm with you. I, I hate it. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe I could um, outsource them next as well. I, because... I think there's a business idea here, Colin. Let's talk about <laughs> yeah, yeah, tell me about it. Um, so I went to buy this new car, went in the dealers, knew what I wanted effectively, um, did the deal with the guy. Um, but I have a rule that says um, I never make a large purchase, you know, on the spur of the moment. I, 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 I never buy anything um, uh, of a large purchase you know, straight away. So I told him that I <clears throat> needed to go away, think about it <clears throat> and that I was going to come back um, and, you know, let him know what my decision was. Next day, uh, contacted him, went back into the dealership and said, yeah, going to go ahead for the price that we agreed yesterday. And guess what? The price that we agreed yesterday wasn't the price that he was prepared to then sell it to me for. So I ended up jumping up and down, um, getting to see the manager, um, blah, 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 blah. And was he at least good enough to give you an excuse for his behavior on that? Or? Uh, other than incompetence. <laughs> That's, that's always my go-to. I find that very persuasive. Yeah, yeah he he actually said that the that he was shooting for was the mm -hmm. phrase that he used. Mm -hmm. uh, that he was the number that he gave me yesterday. And the interesting, a few interesting things from a customer experience perspective was that he was writing these numbers down. I won't bore you with the numbers, but he was writing these numbers down. And he kept putting a line through it and then writing another number down, and then putting a line through it and writing another number down. Uh, uh, and, and then he finally got to this last number and he said, yeah, that's the number we'll, we'll shoot for. Um, and when I went back, he said that he was trying to shoot for it, but his manager was going to shoot him, I think. Um, which is probably the best option I'd heard, actually. Um, <laughs> but um, anyway, um, he um, he ended up uh, saying it was his manager and his manager wouldn't agree. So I complained to the manager and they finally gave it to me for that price. But uh, I won't bore you with a whole with a whole shooting match. But I, I, I guess the interesting question is, 
you know, why do customers complain? What was it about that one? Other other complaints that customer that organizations get? What's the psychology behind customers uh, complaining? So, I mean, we can take a couple of different approaches on this. I think kind of maybe the most useful tack to take on this from a psychology perspective. You know, you and I talk a lot about the importance of emotion and decision making and and understanding the emotions that drive uh, customer behavior, the way people interpret experiences and so on. I I think nowhere is that more true than in the domain of uh, customer complaints. Uh, A lot of complaining is not driven by kind of a cold, rational assessment of the the experience as it happened or of the options as they play out. It, it tends to be very hot reactions, very emotional. A lot of it's driven by people feeling like they've been wronged, uh, like like they've been insulted um, or disempowered. I mean, take your example. It sounds like they ended up giving it to you for the price that had been agreed upon previously. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I bet so after, after a lot of complaining and um, everything or, else. But yeah, that's exactly it. Then. So it sounds like they they didn't make any more money off of you than they would have if they'd just given you the price out the gate. Instead, you're furious at them. <laughs> like you would they've almost ensured you would not go back to them. Um, they've created this huge hassle. All of that is just emotion. It's just kind of this emotional bile that that builds up. Um and that, I'm that so drives. furious I'm gonna use your mother in law next time. Yes, you should. She would <laughs> she would punish them. Man, believe me. The Intuitive Customer Podcast is brought to you by Beyond Philosophy. Since 2002, Beyond Philosophy has been helping organizations improve their customer experience through their consulting, training, and research services. Find out more at beyondphilosophy.com. That's beyondphilosophy.com. Let me give you an example. This is kind of an extreme version of customer complaints, but... um, uh, there are some domains, some some areas in which customers don't just complain, they sue you. So um, uh, this happens a lot in, in medi- medicine uh, in the yeah. U.S. Anyway, uh, something goes wrong, uh, you end up uh, suing your doctor for malpractice. Um, that's kind of an extreme version of a customer complaint. Um, and part of the, the process historically has been uh, doctors are trained to when something goes wrong, to kind of batten the hatches, to, to close down everything, to send out the lawyers, um, to not admit faults, um, to just kind of distance yourself from the, the patient or from the patient's family. Um, there was a uh, there were a few people though who pointed out, you know, this is really causing some some harm, some damage, and they started training doctors differently to go out and admit faults, to apologize, to to be very open and honest. And from a, a legal perspective, this sounds crazy. You're, you're essentially just kind of handing over your, your checkbook at that point. Um, if you're talking to somebody who has the power to sue you and admitting fault and apologizing for what you've done. Um, University of Michigan was one of the first major hospital systems to implement this new training program. Uh, and after they did, they found that uh, the, the number of patients who were suing them dropped by some huge amount, something like half. Like they were getting half as many malpractice wow. suits. And the suits that did go through were settling for much lower amounts. Um, I mean, it's just it's evidence that a lot of 
the the action that was happening in terms of of that specific kind of customer complaint it was people who who'd felt wronged they they felt you know betrayed they were angry and they just they didn't have very many opportunities to do anything about it and so they lashed out in a legal sense here so was that just in the the i mean you you know we often talk about there's the difference between the what and the how so mm. is that about the how in other words the how that they were treated Rather yeah. than um, you know the 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 compl- necessarily the complaint that they had, but how they were treated when they had the complaint. I mean, I I think that's almost always going to be the case. Um, it, so often it's not the initial damage that was done; it's the way that it's handled afterwards. It's the policies that are in place. It's the way employees are trained to deal with complaints. Um, you know, there, there's there's kind of an informal. Um, rule that that complaints when they or, or service failures anytime something goes wrong uh, that's an opportunity to to kind of strengthen the relationship with the customer if it's handled well um you know a lot of times people recover from that and, and end up liking the the brand or the company even more afterwards i, I think i think this is absolutely a how question right so, and, and is there some stuff happening here then, Ryan? You know, we've we've talked about loss aversion in the past. Is there also stuff happening here about that? It could be. I mean, there are a lot of um, there are a lot of approaches we could take to understand. I think loss aversion is certainly one. If we look at it from an expectation standpoint, um, so you walked into that car dealership expecting to have a certain kind of experience, yeah, and then that was violated in a negative way. Um, and, and that absolutely is encoded as a loss to you, kind of emotionally, right? You were expecting something, you got far sure. less than what you were expecting. That's a loss. And we know that losses are just very powerful and will yeah. tend to trigger um, emotional responses. Uh, if you'd gone in and things had gone even better than you'd expected, well, that would be good. Uh, but we know that the losses are, are more powerful and they're more likely to kind of generate a response. You'd be even more likely to tell um, people on, for example, a nationally syndicated podcast the story if things went worse than you expected relative to if things had gone better than you had expected we're so pleased that you're listening to this episode of the intuitive customer as a listener we want to offer you a free download of colin's ebook unlocking the hidden customer experience take advantage of this free offer being made available only to listeners of this podcast do it now just go to beyondphilosophy.com podcast and follow the link for the free book that's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast. And, and just for everyone's knowledge, in loss aversion, we've done another podcast on, and uh, it's, it effectively says that part of prospect theory that says that uh, people will fight more and harder for what they've you know, to keep what they've got rather than gain new things. I probably haven't said it as eloquently as you would have said it, Ryan. No, that, that captures the, the gist of it. Essentially, that, that losses loom larger than gains, that they, they kind of take up more psychological space, they're more, more motivating, and so on. Right. So let me so, let me turn around and ask you a, a question, Colin. Yeah, cool. So what what should firms do with this knowledge? So if I, if I as, a, as a manager, um, if I as a firm respect the fact that um, customer complaints are are largely emotional. They tend to be driven by losses. Oftentimes, are there best practices or there approaches that that firms should take to mitigate or or resolve these types of things? 
Yeah, I think there's a number of things, and and you actually mentioned a couple of things um, when you were talking. You know, you, you mentioned training. I'm not sure if many organisations actually train uh, employees on how to deal with complaints. Um, yeah. The the key issue for me is speed. Um, you know, I I was talking to a client once. Uh, they were late to a workshop I was running and um, I said, you know, the client came in and said, look, sorry, we're late. We just had a meeting about a customer complaint. And I said, all oh, right, what was what was that? And it was a water company. And they said, oh, well, they were complaining about this, this, this and this. And 12 of us were sat around a table trying to work out how much money to give the client back or their customer back. Mm. Now, it's gone through about 47 layers of escalation before it got to them. <laughs> Right. And I and I said to them, how much did just the meeting cost you? You know, um, so doing something very quickly, giving customer, uh, giving customers, um, um, uh, recognizing their complaint and then saying you're wrong and uh, and then, um, you know, offering them some form of compensation, if that's the right thing. All the stats will tell you that you can you will actually end up spending less money mm. if you do it quickly rather than do it uh, over a protracted period of time. Um, and for me, I think that sort of falls into this this whole issue of respect and power that, that you were just um, re- referring to in terms of it becomes, yeah. a, you know, it, it's a principle it's 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 like your in fact maybe um, i don't know i'm I'm interested in your view maybe it's sort of lowering you in the social classes to say that the you know that that you're not important enough or something like that um you know from um um because we're not gonna give you the we're not gonna pay you the money uh, or you know deal with your complaint in a in a in a in a decent decent manner Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, there's there's nothing more dehumanizing than having to wait on the phone for an hour before somebody even you know decides to pick up and, and talk to you about whatever your problem is. I, I think that that's uh, that's absolutely spot on that that speed is one of the ways that we show respect. Um, right. If it's an important person, they don't wait. They don't wait. Um, if somebody you don't care about, then, you know, you, you make them cool their heels for a while. That's that's part of how you show your power and status over them. So yeah, I think I think speed is absolutely key. The Intuitive Customer is being brought to you by Beyond Philosophy. Your frontline teams should be trained on how they can practically influence customer decision using some of the psychological techniques discussed in these podcasts. To understand Beyond Philosophy's unique approach to the training of frontline teams, just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash employee training. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash employee training. So one one last question then. Um, we've talked in the past about confirmation bias, yeah, and confirmation bias for people that haven't heard the episode again basically talks about the fact that we look for things to confirm our view of the world. Okay, I guess my question is um, because I hate buying um, new cars. Mm. I guess I'm looking for things to confirm that buying a new car is a pain in the neck. Yeah. How does that influence? How does that also influence um, the way that, you know, I feel and customers complain? Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it puts you in a, in a tough spot. I mean, it, it also relates to, to a concept called uh, a halo effect. Um, yeah. And this is the idea that, 
um, if there's anything kind of ambiguous or unclear, a lot of times we'll evaluate it to be consistent with our prevailing opinion. So, um, you know, I I, I don't know if you've ever had a a coworker or an acquaintance who just annoys you to the fact where they could hand you a hundred dollar bill and that would still annoy you. Um, like you just, you interpret everything through the lens of not liking this person. Um, that's, that's where some firms and some industries can find themselves. Um, and so, you know, buying a car, I think justifiably a lot of people hate that because of the way that that process has been structured. And so, um, if you're managing a car dealership, you should, you should manage it knowing that that's the case. And so anything even neutral or ambiguous is likely to be encoded as being kind of hostile or negative or um, trying to like trick me as a customer. Um, I mean, it, it points to the fact that you need to to essentially bend over backward to make sure that the ex- aspects of the experience are, are unambiguously positive um, if that's if that's how you want uh, your customer to evaluate that experience. Yeah. Yeah, good. And and I think the other thing I would say is that it needs to be done over a period of time because you, you may have one decent car buying experience, but um, uh, you got to have, you know, uh, and the challenge with buying a car is you obviously don't buy them every day of the week. Right. Um, but, you you know, you, you've got to have two or three good experiences to start to go. Actually, things are changing. Um, and that, that good one that I had last time wasn't just, you know, a, a fluke or something like that. Yeah, I mean, there are also potential opportunities for positioning around that. So uh, Saturn, uh, which is a, a car brand in the U.S. for a while, um, advertised around the fact that they had no haggle pricing, that it was just kind of off-the-shelf pricing. And so they had an entirely different business model. There's an online service called uh, Carvana, which uh, I think delivers cars straight to your door that you've ordered online. And again, a, a big part of the positioning there, a part of the the argument is we've created an entirely different car buying experience so that you don't have to put up with the dealership experience. Um, I mean, it, I think that firms can identify opportunities for creating positive points of differentiation if they know that, that there's an industry that is not serving their customers well in some particular aspect, um, you know, leverage the complaints against other firms if they're consistent that's right and i think that sort of ties in with the last message that i will give you which is that you know it only goes to show that the experience is the differentiator yeah um and therefore if you can create a great customer experience then people will come back to you and it's not necessarily the the price that's the the main driver of uh, of of things um so Okay, um, so uh, unless there's anything else from you, Ryan, um, I think um, we'll call it a day today. Uh, So thanks very much for everybody listening, and um, we look forward to hearing you on the next edition of The Intuitive Customer. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Bye. This has been The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton, but it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast. And we'll talk with you next time on The Intuitive Customer.